Christian Warriors for God. This is part two of the Good and Evil series. It's my prayer that this is revolutionizing your thinking because that is how we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let's pray and jump into it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true. It works all the time. Even when we're not looking, you're not asleep. Nothing surprises you. You're always working on our behalf behind the scenes, and I thank you for it. Uh, Holy Spirit, I thank you for giving me utterance, and give each individual who hears this rhema, speak to their hearts, give them exactly what they need to hear, to make course corrections, to have a renewed mind, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed or revolutionized by the renewing of your mind, the remodeling of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, we started talking about this a little bit last week. This is the whole with good and evil. We need to renew our mind, how we think about these concepts. Uh, I Paul tells us, and it's funny because science always backs up the Bible, but Paul tells us how a belief is made, how the mind works. It's funny because really in the last like decade through neuroscience, we've been able to see this through functional magnetic resonance imaging. We can do brain scans and see this working, right? So I, I want to look at this. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, I want to start in verse 3, he tells us how the mind works. And it's very important for you to know how the mind works, how, how this whole thing works, because how could you remodel it and transform it if you don't know how it was created to operate in the first place? So for we walk... Though we walk in the flesh, that we're walking in this body, we do not war after the body, which is funny because most Christians are having the war in their flesh. It's with sickness, that's in your flesh. Poverty or lack, right, and not having abundance and ample provision, that's in your flesh. Right? Uh, when you have worry and adversity, you're worrying about what's happening in your flesh, right? The worry isn't about you know, things that are spiritual. You're not worried whether you're going to heaven or not, but you're worried about stuff that happens here in the flesh. So he says, look, and even though we're walking in the flesh, that's not where the war is. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly. And so, But when I say that, then you think that our weapons of our warfare are spiritual. But that is not what the weapons of our warfare is. If you look exactly what he says next, you'll find out. Where's the weapons? The battlefield is between our ears, in our brain, in our mind. Though our weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are beliefs. It's a core belief. It's a belief that you have surrounded with so much thought. If you look at it in the Greek, it says a citadel of beliefs surrounded by so much thought that you could not change your mind. If that, that's what a stronghold is, a belief, a core belief. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So Paul tells us he's a lawyer. He kind of writes backwards. He gives you the bottom line at the top. He says, here's the weapons of our warfare. We're going to pull down our strongholds because what it does is we bring... We cast down imaginations that would exalt themselves against God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So here's how the mind works. 
a thought comes, you play with that thought in your mind. You play it out in your mind as a movie clip because the mind we don't see in words, we see in pictures. So here comes a picture. It's like a snapshot. That's what a thought is, is like a picture. An imagination is when you take that picture and add movie clip to it, mo motion and sound, right? In your head, you're building a movie clip. That's all an imagination is. So you take the thought, you play with it, you turn it into a movie clip in your mind, and then you keep running that clip in your mind enough times. What happens is it drops down into your heart and becomes a belief or a stronghold. So a thought turns into an imagination and an imagination turns into a belief. The belief then you start comes out of your mouth and your self-talk. And now you've said it so many times that it is a stronghold. That's where our warfare is, is in our mind. It's in the thought. So if you track that all the way back, a stronghold comes from an imagination, and an imagination comes from a thought that was not brought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. He tells us that, think on good, right? The good list. Let's look at the good list again, right? Beautiful, bountiful, better, cheerful and glad, lighthearted and willing, at ease, relaxed, unworried, well-favored, happy welfare, health and prosperity, loving, kind, useful, pleasure, pleasing, delighted and satisfied, sweet, rich, productive, possessing winning qualities, ready for available for immediate use, prosperity and wealth, success, great abundance, precious and high value, excellence, elegant, refined, the finest and the best. This is why Paul says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are equitable. What's, that's right. Well, this is where we need, to, we need to identify in our thoughts, is this a good thought or an evil thought? And then what happens is once you identify it, if it's evil, I'm going to bring it into captivity. I handcuff it, I arrest it, and I escort it out of my mind, out of the borders of my mind. The country of Andrew's mind does not allow any illegal immigrants. You have to come through and I check your documents. If you're on the evil list, I kick you out and I don't turn you into an imagination. That's really all worry is, is you're imagining bad things happening. You're imagining things on the evil list. You're thinking of things. You're meditating on things of the evil list. And then it becomes a stronghold. Think about this. What In your life, that's why it says to abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. We need to run off evil thoughts because evil thoughts, if you hang on to them, they'll turn into an imagination. That's why Jesus said, take no thought saying. This is an interesting thing about thoughts. Having a bad thought, an evil thought, that's going to happen. That's why, but when you start talking about it and imagining it and meditating on it and building a belief around it, that's when things go south, right? That's when things go to, to, the, to the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. Take no thought saying. So that's what happens is you take this thought like, oh, I have a pain in my knee. That's your thought. So that thought comes immediately. I'm going to identify that Je by Jesus stripes. I've been healed, right? Sickness doesn't come from God. Sickness came from, right? The, it comes from as sin and sickness were a package deal. Disease came when the fall of man happened. This is part of the curse of the fall, right? This is part that I, I don't accept it. So I run, I handcuff that thought of sickness, handcuff that thought of pain, handcuff that thought of lack and I run it out of my mind, and then I replace it, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, with one of the good thoughts. Beauty and bounty and better the best. All the promises are yes and amen. See, the, the warfare is not spiritual. This is the crap. We're having spiritual warfare. 
No, Jesus already won. It said that he defeated and showed, made a show openly of the enemies. Jesus is already victorious. It says that he's in the right hand, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? And all things are under his feet. He's already won the victory. Our battle is not with, you know, demons and devils. and No, your, your battle is between your ears. The thoughts, the imaginations, building those strongholds, which are really their beliefs of evil. He said, you got to tear those down. That's the warfare is in between your ears. Your warfare is in, this is renewing your mind. We're gutting our mind of all the evil, and we're going to replace it with good. Romans 12, 9 is our jumping off scripture. says, you know, let your love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And then I want you to jump down in Romans 12 to verse 21. This is where we're going to really hit it today. Romans 12 and verse 21 says this, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So we don't fight evil with evil, we fight evil with good. So if sickness is in your body and those thoughts are coming of pain, I'm going to overcome that sickness and that evil and that pain with good. So I'm going to pull out my good list and I'm going to find on the good list that health and prosperity belong to me, happy welfare. I'm going to look at beautiful things. I'm going to look at bountiful, ample, ample, extra, abundance, plentiful, better. I'm stronger, bigger, faster, better, smarter. I'm cheerful and glad. I'm not worried. Pleasing and pleasure. I'm delighted. I'm satisfied. Uh, Wealth and prosperity, the finest and the best. So I'm going to take evil thoughts and I don't fight evil with evil. I'm not going to let evil overcome me. I'm going to overcome evil from good, with the good list. So this is the battlefield. In your mind, evil thoughts will come. What you do with them, run them off. Now I bring good thoughts to run those off. And then I have good imaginations. I, am, I force myself to imagine good. What's it look like when I'm healthy and healed? That's what I should be thinking on. That's the movie clip I play in my head when instead of, oh, you know, I've got this disease or that disease or this debilitating injury, I'm going to imagine, nope, by Jesus stripes I'm healed. I'm going to imagine what that looks like when I'm healed. And you do that enough times and you begin to believe actually that you're healed and you walk in health and that builds a stronghold. I actually have strongholds of good built now over years and years of this, decades of it. Tearing down, anytime I can find a stronghold that's it's on the evil list, I tear that thing down. And that's the warfare. And our weapons are the good list. Overcome evil with good. This is what happens with uh, evil. Evil comes in two ways. Two ways. If you've ever been by the ocean, you know, the, and, and, and been out there for any length of time, you see the tides come in. The tide comes in very gradually, right? And the tide goes out very gradually. So this is like evil. Evil's just a little bit, you know, and the tide comes in. And if you were sitting down in a chair next to the, you know, where the waves are coming in. As the tide comes in, pretty soon you would be in over your head in water. But it would come up a little bit at a time, first your ankles, then it would come up to your knees, and then it would come up to your, you know, the top of your chair. If you stayed there long, it would be up over your head. This is how evil comes, a little bit at a time, and you tolerate it. A little bit at a time, you tolerate it. Here comes a little adversity, and you tolerate it. Here comes a little bit of pain and suffering and sickness, you tolerate it. Here comes some symptoms, you tolerate it, right? Here comes some, some anxiety and some worry, and you don't run it off. Here comes some trouble and wrong and some sadness and some depression, and you don't run it off. Pretty soon you're in over your head. You've been overcome by evil. 
Good works the same way. You have to overcome good by you. If you have evil strongholds, it's going to take you a while to run it off. It didn't get there overnight. It's not going to leave overnight. All right. It's like somebody who gained a lot of weight. I have clients that would come to me. They ask me, Hey, can you help me lose weight? And uh, I'll pay you to help me lose weight. All right. So how fast, how much do you want to lose and how fast? I want it off like tomorrow. Well, you didn't gain the weight overnight. You're not going to lose it overnight. You didn't get worried. You didn't start this worry, you know, where you're in the calamity. You worried way back when, and now it turned into calamity, right? Or you've been meditating on sickness for a long time. You've been meditating on pain. You've been meditating on lack for a long time. It's not going to go away overnight. Now you have to take your good list and every time, and now you have to have the tide of good come up, wash over your ankles and then come up over your knees and then up over your, your, this is how it works. There are occasions when you get slammed with a tsunami or a tidal wave of evil, and there are times when you get slammed or, uh, with a tidal wave of good. We call those miracles, right? We call the evil's tidal wave like a calamity or a disaster, and we call the good tidal wave a miracle. Those don't happen like all the time. I, I want to know how can I live every day and have good. I don't just want to wait till evil is filled with my life and then beg for a miracle. So I'm going to overcome evil with good. How, Andrew, how do we do this? Well, I'm so glad you asked, right? We're going to use our weapons of good, the good list, that's our weapons, and think good thoughts, turn those into good imaginations and build strong, good strongholds. Let's look over in Psalm 37. Psalm 37 and verse 1. Let's see, how do we do this? How do we overcome evil with good? It's the first thing. Read this in your Bible. Look at it and see. It says, fret not thyself. <laughs> There's the first thing is you got to stop fretting. You have to stop worrying. You have to stop being anxious. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Don't be looking at other people and other and don't get all upset if you see evil. Worry about evil in your life. Stop looking at evil in other people and stop worrying about evil in other people's lives. You need to worry about your own mind. That's the battlefield. Neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. That Hebrew word iniquity is actually evil, E-V-E-L. That's where we get the English word evil from. So, and don't, I'm not, I, I, be envious because you'll see people getting ahead in life that are doing the evil list. They cheat, they lie, they steal. There's ministers that do that. Don't fret yourself about them and don't be envious. Don't try to be like them. Verse 2, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and the wither as green herbs. Trust. This is how we do it. How do we overcome evil with good? Trust in the Lord and do good. Do beauty. Do bounty. Do better. Do cheerful and glad, lighthearted and willing. Do relaxed and at ease and unworried. Do well favored. Do health and prosperity. Do loving. Do kind. Do pleasing, pleasure, delighted and satisfied. Do sweet and ready. Do prosperity and wealth. Do precious and high value. Do excellence. Do the finest and the best. Trust in the Lord and do good. Listen, if you're not doing good, if this is the equation. Trust in the Lord and do good. If you're not, and then so dwell in the land, and you'll be verily fed. If you're not doing good, you're not trusting in the Lord. If you're not, I know it's a shock, right? Because when you look at the evil list, if I'm in worry, if I'm in sickness or affliction, or you're not trusting the Lord. Because we saw this verse uh, in Psalms. Uh, where was the Psalm? It's, we're going to look at it here in a minute. 
We saw it before last week. It may be in the covenant series. I, we looked at it. Psalm 34, 19 says the afflictions are the evils of the righteous, the covenant people. There's many of them, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. If you're trusting the Lord, he'll deliver you out of everything off the evil list. But trusting the Lord requires that you do good. You don't just sit around waiting for God to show up and deliver me out of the evil. You have to do good. In your mind, you have to think good thoughts, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Build good imaginations, beauty. What's it look like when you have ample and extra? What's it look like when your life is filled with beauty? What's it look like when your life is filled with health and prosperity? What's your life look like when you're, you know, delightful and you're delighted and satisfied? Which is the next verse, Psalm 34, 7 says this, delight yourself in the Lord. That's the good list. Do good. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way into the Lord. Trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. What's righteousness? It's equity. It's riches, honor, and life. It's somebody that's in the covenant. He's going to bring forth your equity. He's going to bring forth your riches, honor, and life. He's going to bring forth everything that's on the good list. That's God's equity as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Also on the good list, at ease unworried, relaxed. I'm resting in the Lord. Again, I'm taking good and I'm fighting evil with good. Wait patiently for him. Again, fret not yourself. Stop worrying. Fret not yourself. It's you yourself that has to stop this because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Now, Psalm 37 gives us an idea. He shows the process of how we get we get on the evil list, how we're overcome of evil. And by default, we can look at that and reverse it and find out the process to overcome evil with good. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, and fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. So stop fretting, worrying, imagining evil, because when you begin to imagine evil, what happens is you begin to get frustrated when all you see in your life is the evil list, is adversity, is affliction and suffering, is calamity, disasters, is displeasure, and you're annoyed and confused and frustrated and anxious and worried, and you have harm and heaviness and hurt and ill favor and misery because there's lack in your life. And you, when you begin to think those thoughts, they turn into an imagination and you get frustrated and then he says, forsake that because it's going to turn into wrath and turn into anger. Then you're angry all the time and you can't figure out, like, I thought I had a covenant. I thought God had these promises, but I guess. So then what you do is then you check out and then you say, well, this must be what the God, this is God's will for me. Suffering must be God's will. Being on the evil, that's God's will for me. Well, what's the next verse say? If, if it's God's will for you to be in suffering and in lack, then this next verse we must rip it out of the Bible because it says for evildoers, people that do adversity, people that do affliction, people that do sickness, people that do lack shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit or possess the earth. Now, in the English, we say wait. We think that that, that word is just you're just sitting around. Oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, what are you doing? You have to do good, do beauty, do bounty, do better, do the best. That word wait in the Hebrew means to twist or wrap yourself up, bind yourself with the Lord. I'm going to twist myself up around the Lord like a rope 
wrapped around right a pole. And, and doing that, I'm going to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Good thoughts, things that are pure, lovely, just, praiseworthy, right? Beauty, bounty, better, and the best. Happy welfare, cheerful and glad, lighthearted and willing, prosperity and health. Because if you do evil, you will be cut off. All right, so how do I stop that, Andrew? That's just, you know, that sounds like crazy talk to me. Well, let's look in Proverbs 24.1. Proverbs 24.1. Proverbs 24, verse 1. Be not thou envious against evil men, Right, we know that we shouldn't be envious of evil, you know, evil people, people that do evil. I'm not going to be envious of them. I'm not going to look at them like they're spiritual because they're suffering for the Lord. If they're on the evil list, I'm not going to envy them. I'm not going to try and be like them. I'm not going to emulate them. And then look at this next thing. It says neither desire to be with them. What? We know we know that consciousness is contagious. Mindset is contagious. You know this already. If you're around people that are negative all the time, you begin to get negative. If you're around people that gossip, you begin to gossip. If you're around people that eat unhealthy, you begin to eat unhealthy. If you're around adversity and affliction and hardship all the time, that's all you're surrounded with. And listen, these I'm not saying you're not born again. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but most of Christianity lives on the evil list. And I don't desire to be with them, and I definitely don't envy their lifestyle. I don't think that it's holy for you to be in sickness. In fact, I, that's the opposite. I don't think that it's holy, right, or for you to, to be in health. I mean, to be in lack. You should be in health. That's holy. Being, uh, have ample and extra. That's holy. That's righteous. That has equity. I don't, you're unrighteous, right? If you're walking around without equity, that means lack of equity. Lack of riches, honor, and life. So I'm not, get away. You have to separate yourself from people that do evil. Don't even desire to be with them. And he says, why? In verse 2, he tells you exactly why. He says, for their hearts study, and in the Hebrew, that word is imagines, their hearts study, or they imagine destruction. If you're imagining sickness, if you're imagining lack, if you're imagining adversity, you're imagining suffering, you're imagining right the evil list, he says, don't, don't, envy, don't envy them, don't be around them, do not celebrate them for sure, don't even be around them because... Their hearts are studying, they're imagining destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. And that Hebrew word mischief, look it up, is worry. Their lips talk of worry. If coming out of your mouth is the I can't list, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're telling me what you can't do, I know that you're not operating as someone who is in partnership with Christ. If you're talking of worry, I know that you're an evildoer. I don't want to be with you because you will be cut off. Listen, it has nothing to do with whether you, you're you saved or not, you know, born again. I mean, we've wrapped those two together. I don't want to get into that. But it's not that you're not going to heaven. It's not that you're not one of God's kids. Look at the children of Israel. They were his kids, the ones that died in the wilderness. They were evildoers. They were cut off. They were, uh, their hearts always studied destruction. Would to God that we died out here. Would to God that we went back to Egypt. Would to, they're always studying. They're imagining it, 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 the worst thing that could happen. We're going to die out here. Oh, we don't have any food. Oh, we don't have any water. We don't have any provision. And their lips are talking of that worry all the time. Don't even be around them. Remember, your thoughts will turn into imaginations. 
those imaginations, you play them long enough, it drops down into your heart and becomes a belief or a stronghold. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, or I like to say leaks, right? Because whatever you actually believe is going to come out of your mouth and your self-talk. And now, because I know that you have what you say, Jesus said, if you had faith, you would say, say to this mountain, faith works like that, that you have what you say. Now you're saying evil, you're saying sickness. If that's coming out of your mouth, you're going to have, your faith is working. You're believing for sickness. You're believing for poverty. You're believing for misery. You're believe, that's what worry is, is that you're playing out. Faith is the opposite, right? What we call biblical faith, right? Do I want to move this mountain? Then I'm going to imagine I have good thoughts and imagine moving the mountain. Imagine having the bounty and the ample and the extra, right? To, to, uh, to pay for bulldozers to come move this mountain, right? Imagine that I'm, I'm better, faster and smarter, that I can engineer a way to move this mountain. Imagine what that looks like. Stop being worried about it. Start thinking of the good list. Jeremiah seven. I hope this is helping you. Uh, this is revolutionary. Because we've been living our entire lives, we have a lifestyle of evil. And we've called it, it's been wrapped since like 325 AD when Constantine took over the church. It's, we, that's what we make as good. We wrap ourselves in evil and call it good. We make it religious. Jeremiah 7 and verse 23. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I'll be your God. You shall be my people, and you'll walk in all my ways that I have commanded you, and it'll be well with you. But, verse 24, they hearkened not, nor did they incline their ear, but they, they walked in the counsels and in the imaginations of their heart and went backward and not forward. They imagined evil. They imagined adversity. They imagined affliction, sickness and suffering. They imagined calamity, suffering and disaster. They imagined displeasure. They were meditating on worry and anxious, and they were fretting, tribulation, injury and loss. They were burdened. They were depressed. They're imagining they're in pain or wounds, ill favor. You're expecting the world to hate you. Suffering, especially because of poverty and lack, self-pity, distress and pain. Because of the imaginations, they went backward and not forward. Listen, if you're imagining anything on the evil list, you cannot go forward with God. You're only going backwards. This is why it's such a struggle. Because your, your thoughts are evil, and then your imaginations are evil, and then your beliefs are evil adversity, affliction, calamity, great grief. I have to keep saying it because when I say evil, you think of murder, you think of works of the flesh, murder and fornication and, you know, uh, rapings and killings and, and, you know, lying and cheating and stealing. Those are works of the flesh. That's not evil. Evil is adversity and affliction and calamity and sickness and harm and heaviness and suffering and lack. Well, I've given you a bunch of Old Testament stuff. Let's look back in the New Testament. Let's see what Peter says. Now, I love the Apostle Peter, right? Because he's arguably Peter was Jesus's best friend here on the earth. He's with him all the time. And, and Jesus spent more time with Peter on Peter than any of the other disciples, including at the end when he comes back specifically after he rose from the dead to get Peter to come back into the ministry because Peter went fishing. He went back to his fishing business. Let's see what Peter says. 
1 Peter 3 and verse 8. He's actually quoting Psalm 34, which we read last week. Finally, be ye all of one mind. Have a singular mind, and your singular mind should be on the good list. Having compassion with one for another, love as brethren, be pitiful or have compassion again, and be courteous, not rendering evil for evil. So listen, if you come up to me and you start talking your evil list, if you start telling me about all the pain in your life, all the worry, all the calamity, all the misery, I'm not going to agree with it, and I'm not going to tell evil on my end. So what I'm going to do, I'm not going to rail with you. That's what it says, not railing for railing, not contrawise, but contrawise blessing. So I'm going to talk of all the good, the blessing in my life. When you tell me evil, I believe that gives me, when you tell me about your sickness and your you know, calamity and your drama in your life and all the bad things and your lack, if you tell me what your needs are, I, that gives me permission, Peter says, to contrawise, tell all the blessing that is in my life so that they would know that they're also called to a blessing. Listen, not me. I walk in divine health. I, I'm, I have energy. I have ample and extra. I'm self-funded. That's the first thing I told the bishop. I'm like, I'm self-funded. I'm not looking for a handout here. When I say self-funded, it's because my, my funding comes through God, but it comes to each individual based on our thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds. It's my own personal self-belief that I take the promises of the blessings that we had in the covenant series. They all belong to me if I listen and obey. And, I do, and part of obeying is bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, which is the good list, beauty and bounty and better and the best and at ease well-favored, loving, and kind, and pleasure, and pleasing, and prosperity, and wealth, and health. Verse 10, for he or she that will love life and see good days. Look, if you want to love life and you want to have good days, days filled with beauty, days filled with bounty, days filled with better and the best, let them refrain their tongue from evil. So stop talking about adversity. Stop talking about pain. Stop talking about loss. Stop talking about wrong. Stop talking anything that would gin up fear and scarcity. And your lips from guile. Let them eschew evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, the people that are in covenant, the people that are covenant keepers, the people that are doing equity and doing the covenant, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. If you're, listen, I don't do adversity. I don't do affliction. I don't do sickness. I don't do lack. I don't do worry. I do do lunch, but I don't do sickness, lack, and worry. Because I know if I do these things on the evil list that the face of the Lord is against me. Why would you want to be in that spot? It's so much better to just do good. And who is he or she that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good, a beauty, bounty, better, and the best? But I know, listen, I'm hearing it right now. But, you know, we got to suffer for the Lord. What about suffering? You know, that's our, you, God uses suffering. He's going to, you know, use suffering to try us. Well, if you have to suffer, and listen, I was brought up like that. My parents did nothing but suffer their whole life. Their whole life was pain. Were they, were they uh, you know, uh, faithful to the Lord? Yes, they were in ministry. They're missionaries their whole life. I, I learned the Greek from my dad. He's a Greek scholar. Their whole life was full of suffering, though. 
So that's what Peter addresses this next in verse 14. If you're one of those people that you have to suffer, what about suffering for the Lord, Andrew? But, and if you have to, but it, it, for those of you that have to suffer, he says, but, and if, so you don't have to, it's an if, it's your choice. But, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. What's righteousness? It's equity. It's the covenant. It's riches, honor, and life. So if you're going to have, but, and if you have to suffer, then suffer for because you have a great life. Have a great life. You should be suffering because people don't like you because you're so rich. People don't like it when you walk in health. People don't like it when you're in a position of honor and they're not. They're jealous of you. That's what he said. If you have to suffer, then you suffer because you're in the covenant is operating in your life. And don't be afraid of someone's terror nor be troubled. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason for this confidence. It says hope in the King James, but the word is confidence. Every man that asks you the reason of that confidence that's in you with meekness and fear. Meekness is not being, uh, you know, weak. Meek means you're teachable and coachable. Teachable and coachable. Hey, Moses wrote the first five books in the Bible, and this is what he wrote about himself. Moses was the most meek man in all the earth. There's nobody more meek than me. That's what he wrote it. And Moses, that's true. No one was more teachable than Moses. No one was more coachable than Moses. The reason that I'm confident is because, and here's the reasons that I'm ready for an answer. I give you the good list. Beauty, bounty, better, the best, happy welfare. All the promises are yes and amen. By Jesus stripes, I've already been healed. Through his poverty, that's how I can be rich. Verse 16, having a good conscience, conscience filled with beauty and bounty and better and the best and happy welfare and health and prosperity. Whereas they that speak evil of you as evildoers, they will be ashamed because they falsely accused your good conversation in Christ, your good lifestyle. Your lifestyle and your conversation, your what you'd be saying, should be all about beautiful attractive and fair and lovely and handsome and bountiful and abundance and ample and plentiful and better and faster and smarter and cheerful and glad and lighthearted and willing and at ease and well-favored. Your lifestyle should be well-favored is that people treat you with partiality, even if it's unfair to other people. This is the word grace. That's where grace comes from, favor. Not that people in the world hate you, they love you. They're like, well, we don't even know why we love this guy. But you know why? Because they like to be around good. When you have a good lifestyle, when you are, uh, everything that's happening in your life makes other people feel better because they want to be around you because you're doing good. It's funny. The world likes to be around good. Only in the church do we, do we celebrate evil. I've never seen anything like it. It just doesn't even make sense to me. Verse 17, for it is better back to this suffering thing, for it is better if the will of God be so. He's not telling that you have to suffer, but it's better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Highlight that verse, 1 Peter 3.17. If you do have to suffer, if, it, if you do believe that it's the will of God that you suffer, then you should be suffering for doing good, beauty, bounty, better, the best, happy welfare, cheerful and glad, health and prosperity. If you're going to suffer, that's how you suffer. Not for not suffering with adversity and affliction and sickness and sorrow and trouble and lack and wrong. 
God never, ever puts evil on you, ever. I, I ne- Please don't ever let me hear you guys say that again. James 1, 13, what's the word say about it? Who cares what Andrew thinks? I want to know what God says about it. This is James, the, older bro- uh, the younger brother of Jesus. He's the oldest of all the brothers and sisters of Jesus. So he's younger brother, but he's the oldest of Mary and Joseph's kids. He was the apostle at Jerusalem. He ran the church in Jerusalem. James 1, 13. Let no human say when they are tempted or tested that I am tested or tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted or tested with evil, neither tempt he or test any man with evil. Don't you dare say that God puts sickness on you or lack or adversity or calamity, right, to test you. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. He never puts sickness on you. He never put, he never lets you be in lack. He never, never, never. He never caused a disaster in your life. He's not testing you. It says it right here. Don't say that God did that. He, he's not tested with evil. You can't test him with evil. And he's not testing his kids with evil. If you're going to suffer and you have to suffer, then suffer because you're, you live a lifestyle on the good list. Beauty and bounty and better and the best, and unworried, and at ease, and relaxed, and sweet, and prosperity, and wealth, and health. Let's look at what does that look like? What does the Bible show? I mean, you could look all throughout the Bible and see that everybody that suffers, suffers good. It's because of good. Even Paul, every time they they beat him, they left him for dead, he got up and walked away. They put him in jail and beat him. He starts singing, and it's his good lifestyle. The earthquake comes, the whole jail opens up. Everywhere he goes, even when he's suffering, it's because of his good. He's doing beauty and bounty and better and the best and cheerful and glad and lighthearted and willing and happy welfare. You guys ever heard of these three cats called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? This is suffering if you just have to suffer. Suffer for righteousness' sake. Suffer for the covenant, riches, honor, and life. Suffer because of your good, beauty, bounty, better, and the best, happy, welfare, cheerful, glad, lighthearted, and willing, health and prosperity, lifestyle, rather than adversity and affliction and calamity and worry. These guys aren't worried. They don't, they don't do, they don't do evil. They don't do sickness. They don't do fear. They don't do lack. They don't do worry. And they ain't scared. They don't do trouble or wrong. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Book of Daniel, chapter one. Verse 3, and the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and the king's seed and the, of the princes. This is when uh, the, the, the fall, if you will, of the lower kingdom, Judah, and they're captured and taken off to Babylon. They, take, they look at all these kids of Israel and they're like, take the smart ones, take the best ones, take the noble ones. And they're looking for children in verse 4 who was well blemished, but well favored. That's right off the good list. They're looking for... What's the world looking for? They're looking for good. They find well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding of science, and they had the ability to stand in the king's palace. That means they're good. They're smart, better, faster, stronger. Look at all this. Wisdom, skill, cunning, knowledge, science. They're smarter. And whom they could teach them. They're meek. Teach them the tongue of the Chaldees and the learning of the Chaldees. So they put them up in this school for three years. They're in college. 
They're at the King's University. They're being, they are being groomed and educated to be ministers in the government of Babylon. And in verse 17, and it's for these four children, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. This is in captivity. This should be like it's a disaster for everybody in covenant. But these four covenant keepers, if you know that read the book of Daniel, they, they're covenant keepers. These four covenant keepers, he gives them things off the good list. He's not giving them, if they're in the middle of adversity and their lives are great, they would never have, the, listen, they would never have the opportunity to study at the finest university in the world and be at the power of a, be, be in the, uh, the government of a superpower of the world being in Judah. If this captivity didn't happen, their lives never would have been this great. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And now at the end of the days of that school, verse 18, the end of days that the king should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. So they did their three years of training, and now it's graduation day. He's going to bring them before the king, and the king's going to say, that's good or that's not good. We like them, we don't. So they, they have dinner with the king, verse 19, communed with them, and among them all, so they, all this university, they were top of their class. There was none found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their Hebrew names. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better, right off the good list, beauty, bounty, better, 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. This is how God is. This is what he does. He puts, when, listen, when you keep your covenant, you're 10 times better than everybody else in the world. Daniel 2 and verse 48, I'm skipping through because we don't have time to go through this whole thing. You should read the entire story yourself. Chapter 2 and verse 48 says, Then the king made Daniel a great man. Uh, what? A great man. And gave him great many gifts. The guy, Here's the king. He puts Daniel in a great position and he makes him super rich with abundance and ample and extra. And then he made him ruler over all the province of Babylon and the chief of all the governors of all the wise men in Babylon. He's number two to the king. Sounds a lot like Joseph, who's another one you could look at that was only, uh, we'll look at him later. And in verse 49, then Daniel requested the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, over all the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. These four, so Daniel's the number one guy and he promotes all of his buddies, the other covenant keepers, right off the good list. Now, People get jealous. These guys are going to suffer because they're doing good, their good lifestyle, because they're, the king has favor. He's well-favored. He played 10 times better than everybody else. He's giving them gifts. He's putting them in positions of authority. They have ample and extra. They're well-favored. And, and people get jealous. They hate it. The folks that aren't, like, who are these four? They're not even, they're, they're, they're Jewish. They're not even, our, they're not Babylonian. They're not Chaldean. They're foreigners. Verse 10 of chapter 3 of Daniel. Thou, O king, you made a decree. So what they did is they came in and they tricked the king. They said, hey, we should, they were like, how can we trip these four guys up? Because they're covenant keepers. They won't worship anybody but their God. Let's make it, let's tell the king, we'll, you know, we'll work him. We'll get the king to make a, 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 an image of himself. And then we all have to worship the king. We'll make that, make him a law. And then we'll trap these guys. Yeah, what a great plan. 
Make a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the poultry, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that they'll have to fall down and worship this golden image of you, king. And who doesn't? And whoever fails to fall down and worship you, they should be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. King said, yeah, that's a great idea. So they all come out on this plane. Everybody's there, right? All the news networks are out there, this massive crowd. And then the, the band plays, and everybody bows down and worship. But Hananiah, Shananiah, uh, Hananiah, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they keep standing. And then they're like, we got them. So then they come and rat them out to the king. They tell him, verse 12, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, O king, they have not regarded thee. They didn't serve your gods. They don't worship the golden image which you have set up. What are you going to do with them? And it says that Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them and said, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you didn't serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, he said, Listen, is it true? I like you guys, but I'm really mad that you're making me a fool. Now, he says, If you be ready when you hear this... The sound of the band, the cornet, the flute, the hack sharp, the harp, the sackbut, the sultry, the dulcimer, and you hear all kinds of music. If you fall down and worship the image I've made, then it's going to be good. But if you don't worship, then you're going to be cast a self-same hour into the midst of that burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God that's going to deliver you out of my hands? I'm going to give you one more chance. You bow down and worship, and we'll call off the whole thing. But if you don't, there ain't no, no God is going to be able to save you. And in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, well, king, you know, we, we have this religious code, and, you know, if you'll forgive us, you know, I, we have to, you know, I know God's setting us up for failure here, and, you know, I, 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 we're, we need to suffer for, you know, no, they say, we're not even careful to answer you in this matter. We don't have to think about it. I don't, I'm not worried about it. I don't have to be careful. Here it is. If it be so, if what be so, if it be so that you throw us into the fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he'll deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, what if not? If you don't throw us into the fire, let it be known unto you, king. We're still not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you set up. Look, if, if, if you call it off, we're still not worshiping you. But if you throw us in there, God will deliver us. This thing has been so twisted. They said, well, if God doesn't show up, we're still not going to worship you. If that was the case... If we said, you know, they're men of principle, you know, you know, if God doesn't deliver us, we're still going to hold to our principles. That's noble. We wouldn't be mad, but look what, what is, what is Nebuchadnezzar's reaction? Well, boys, that's noble, but you're still going in the fire. No, it says he's full of fury and his visage was changed against them. He's spitting mad. He's smoke is coming out of his ears now because they're like, we don't have to listen, King. We're not careful about this. If you throw us in there, God's going to deliver us. If, if you don't throw us in there, we don't care. We're still not worshiping you. We don't do evil. I don't do adversity. I don't do affliction. I don't do worship in your God's king, and we don't get burned in the fire. We do good. Beauty, bounty, better, the best. Happy welfare. Cheerful and glad. We do victory. We don't do fire, and we don't do worship in you. So he is smoking mad, and so he says, heat the furnace seven times hotter. Now, look, you're going to die. One, just the fiery furnace is that's going to kill you. Seven times hotter is to try and scare you, 
right? That's why they heat it up seven times hotter. That's only for effect. You're going to die when it's one, it just at regular fire furnace, you would die anyway. Now it's seven times hotter. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the furnace. And these men were bound in their coats and their, and their hats and their hosen and their other garments, and they cast them in the middle of the burning fire. And because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace was seven times exceeding hot, that the flame of fire, it burned up the men that were carrying, the guards that were carrying to put them in got burned up. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they threw them in there. They fell down in the midst of the burning fire. And the king was astonished and rose up in haste. He ran over there and he said to his counselors, hey, didn't we throw three guys, three men bound in the fire? They said, yes, king, there was only three. He said, how come there's four? I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they don't even have any hurt. It's not even bothering them. And the fourth of the first is like the son of God, pre-incarnate Jesus shows up in the middle of this fire. And they're having a party in there. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the furnace and he spake, he shelled out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come on out here. You come on out here. And they came out of the fire. And all the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together. This is all the people that, because they were suffering because of these people, because they were jealous, saw the men and they were like, uh-oh, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, their hair wasn't singed, neither was there even uh, their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted him and have changed the king's word yielded their bodies that they may not worship or serve any God except their own. They were suffering for good. And it worked. He del God delivered them. The afflictions of the righteous might be many, but he delivers them out of them all. Remember, their whole story started out with adversity and affliction. They were captured in Jerusalem. They lost their homeland and they were exported halfway across the continent. Therefore, verse 29, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses will be made a dunghill, the sewer. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And then because they're just suffering for the Lord, what happened is in verse 30, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is what suffering for righteous sake it looks like. This is what suffering for good looks like. This is what suffering for God. If you're going to suffer, it better look like this. Not that you're broke and beat down and miserable and sad and pitiful. You don't even have to be careful about this. We're not worshiping your God. God's going to, our God's got our back, man. I'm in covenant. Sickness, you have to go. I don't even have to be careful about this. Tumor, leave. Not even careful. Blind eyes open. Don't even have to be careful about it. Deaf ears open. Don't even have to be careful about it. Money, you get over here. Father, I thank you for giving me wi wisdom and skill and knowledge and all learning that I could solve big problems and then get promoted and have provision. Many, Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions or the evils of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. If you're going to suffer then you, and you're suffering and you're in covenant, then you have to be delivered out of them all. Otherwise, you're not a covenant keeper. Covenant keepers, we, all, we live on the good list. My thoughts are good. My imaginations are good. I build strongholds or beliefs of good, beauty, bounty, better, the best, 
Happy welfare. I got to keep saying it. Remember in Isaiah 7 and verse 15, Jesus had to choose good and refuse evil. You're going to have to too. Isaiah 7 verse 14 and 15. We looked at that last week. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. They were talking about Jesus. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. If Jesus had to refuse evil and choose the good, so do you. Listen, (laughs) you have to choose good thoughts. You have to choose good imaginations. You have to choose to build good strongholds and beliefs. You have to tear down strongholds that are evil, tear down imaginations that would exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. I'm giving you the knowledge of God. We saw it all through the covenant. Riches, honor, and life is the knowledge of God. Tear down anything that would say that you have to live on the evil. Tear down the knowledge that says that God's testing you or tempting you with evil, that God puts some evil on you as a test. That's knowledge that goes against God. Tear that imagination down. Replace it with good. I told you we look at Joseph. I want to look at this. One of my favorite scriptures is Joseph in verse 50. I mean, I love to study the life of Joseph. Maybe one day we'll do it. Joseph 50 and verse 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father. So Jacob just dies. They go up out of Egypt and bury your father. Then they come back. And Joseph's brethren... They see that their father's dead, and they said, Joseph will hate us because we did all that evil to him. And in verse 16, they sent a messenger. They don't even go himself. They send a messenger and said, hey, our father did command us before he died, saying, so shall you say to Joseph, forgive, I pray you now, your trespass of your brothers for their sin, for they did evil unto you. Now we pray you forgive our trespass. The servants of God are your father. And Joseph wept and spake to them. And so his brethren went also and fell down before his face. And they said, we're your servants. We're sorry we threw you in the pit. We're sorry we threw you in. We did evil. We did adversity to you. We did affliction to you. We did calamity. Joseph said, fear not. I'm not in the place of God. Verse 20, highlight this, write it down. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. That Hebrew word meant, if you look it up, means plated or folded back. You thought evil against me, but God folded it back to good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Listen, God didn't do those things to Joseph, his brothers did, but God folded it back for Joseph's good and for the good of much people. Not just covenant people, the whole planet was saved because of Joseph. God isn't doing evil to you. Somebody else might be doing it to you. Satan might be doing it to you. Your relatives might be doing it to you, but it isn't God. But whatever is meant for evil, because you're in covenant and you're a covenant keeper, he will fold it back for good. But you have to refuse evil just like Jesus did. You need to tell yourself, man, I don't do evil. I don't do adversity. I don't do misery. I don't do affliction. I don't do sickness. I don't do lack. I do do lunch, but I don't do sickness. And choose good. Tell yourself, I do beauty, I do bounty, I do ample and extra, I do health and healing, I do supernatural intelligence in the mind of Christ, I do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I don't do adversity and I don't do worry, but I do do riches, honor, and life. 
then it's not a sin for you to be in adversity or calamity. It's a sin for you to stay there. Adversity and calamity and sickness, right, they may all come on you. That's not a sin for it to happen to you. What's the sin is if you stay there and you accept it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they had massive adversity. Their entire homeland was taken. Their city was razed to the ground. Jerusalem was like ransacked. They were captured into captivity, which would have been slavery. For most everybody else, it was slavery. Sent them across. But no, for them, it was nothing but good. They didn't stay in adversity. They didn't stay in calamity. <laughs> what, th- what happened is just good, 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 and better, and more, 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 more. More promotion, more position, more learning, more skill, more favor, more wealth, more uh, influence over the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. It's not a sin for you to experience evil. It's a sin for you to stay in evil. I don't do it. Because I know the word says that he'll deliver me out of them all. The word says that God never tests anybody with evil. The word says to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If it's an evil thought, it's out. I handcuff that thing and I get rid of it. I only let good thoughts in and turn good thoughts into good imaginations and good imaginations into good strongholds. Think about that. Meditate on good. Replace, overcome evil with good. Pull out your good list every time you're in worry. Every time you start getting emotionally spun up and, oh, I don't know, and you're in fear and and there's a scarcity mindset, pull out your good list. Because your good list, everything that's on that is love and abundance. It's riches, honor, and life. It's love and abundance. Everything on the evil list is fear and scarcity. Run your thoughts through that, every thought, every thought through this filter. Take captivity, every thought that would be evil. Every imagination, cast it down if it's evil. Every stronghold that's evil, tear it down, core belief, and replace it with evil, uh, with good. Overcome that evil with good, beauty, and bounty, and better, and the best, and cheerful, and glad, and lighthearted, and willing, and well-favored, and health and prosperity. Sweet. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word sealed in our hearts. Holy Spirit, bring this back to our remembrance moment by moment this week. And as we go forward in our lives, as we're walking with you, that we would bring into captivity every evil thought, every thought of adversity, every thought that would create fear, every thought that would bring calamity, every thought of sickness and suffering, every thought of pain, every thought of lack. We would bring it into captivity, tear down any imagination that would play out in our head and tear down and destroy any strongholds of evil and replace them with good. And I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen.